And welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. My name is Mr. Davis, and I am joined by my good buddies, Ethan Huffman and Elkin Beltry. Now, guys, Woj dropped some bombs yesterday. Anthony Davis to the Los Angeles Lakers. How are you guys feeling? Uh, it's a great yeah. day for yeah. the Lakers in terms of player at asset management. However, those those picks maybe make it arguable that it wasn't so great because the tax of um, all that leaking um, has come come forward. And mm-hmm. a lot of swaps, a lot of picks, and we'll see how that turns out for these two franchises. Yeah, could we have another Nets-Celtic situation? That's I think that's like the big example people brought up. But, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Have we ever, besides I'm trying to think, besides Nets and Celtics, has there been a trade like this, so many picks? Well, I mean, there was the Stepien. There, there's the reason why we have the Stepien yes, rule, right? Thanks to the Cavaliers way uh, back in the 80s. Way back, way back in the day, trading all their picks back to back. So, like, they had to, like yeah. – you know, make a rule because you know, people got screwed. I wonder if if things go really poorly here, if mm-hmm. if you end up having um, the NBA stepping. I think not. I feel like they like generally ownership and teams are pretty pretty. Like they 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 sh- they know they should know what they're getting themselves into at this point in time. Yeah. But l- let's go ahead and examine the actual trade and and see what the teams actually got. So, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers get Anthony Davis. Period. That is it. That is the end. That's all really they wanted and needed um, out of this trade. So that's who they got. They ship off to the Pelicans, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart. Those are the players. And then let's get to the draft picks and get a little bit complex. Uh, this year's number four pick goes over, you know, the one that they got lucky with, they got and jumped in the lottery with. They get to send that over to the Pelicans. Uh, uh, Pelicans get that. Um, then it starts with here's where it gets a little bit complicated. The 2021 first round pick is top eight protected. I would say that uh, the Lakers are probably not going to be one of the you know worst eight teams in the league. So chances are that 2021 pick will convey me uh, because the Lakers will probably still be good. That's the assumption. Yeah. The Lakers wanted to protect it because maybe Anthony Davis, I don't know, gets really upset at LeBron James and leaves. I don't know what it is. But so they predicted a top eight. If it does not convey, then it becomes a 2022 unprotected first. The Pelicans have the right to do a pick swap in 2023. This is after LeBron James's contract has run out, has run its course. So, you know, perhaps things look different in L.A. Uh, a 2024 unprotected first round pick but the pelicans have the right to defer that to 2025 if say the lakers are one of the best teams in the league maybe they say yeah we'll we'll take a gamble and maybe they'll be worse next year and so that's it those are the uh things that were included in the trade now speaking just on that in a vacuum does this seem like it was worth it for the Los Angeles Lakers? Was it worth it for the Pelicans? Who won this trade or, or is it one of the rare win-win trades of, you know, of our time? I think it was definitely worth it for the Lakers. I mean, you, it kind of seems like their timeline is based on LeBron James's contract. I think that's kind of the, the known thing when his contract is done, the Lakers, yes, they would like to have another player in place, but they're more or less win now mode. 
And for the Pelicans, of course, draft picks. I mean, if you're David Griffin, I mean, didn't just this what he wanted? David Griffin wanted these draft picks. He wanted to build for the future. You know, you're getting a number one pick. You have guys like Lonzo, Brandon Ingram. I know they've had some injuries, but still, you're also looking at getting these picks from when you could possibly see a major decline by the Lakers that could really turn out to be of value to you. It's just in a vacuum. I think for the Lakers, it's a move that maybe the timing, I mean, it wasn't we, – we spoke about it before the pod saying if they would have waited to do the same. We'll, 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 de- we'll definitely get to that after. Yeah. In the vacuum, was it worth it? it was, and you I think, think it was. I think it was for the Lakers. I think it's an interesting situation for David Griffin because this is the new team-building exercise for him. He's already done the LeBron James experiment where he was on the other side of this. What can I do to surround LeBron James and make him a title mm-hmm. contender? And so I think as a unique bargaining standpoint for David Griffin, now kind of dealing with what used to be himself. It's like, hey, I am desperate for this super talent. And now he was on the other side. So now he gets to build a team through draft picks, through young talent, with one established like pretty close to a star player and Drew Holiday currently on the roster. And we'll see how that plays out um, going forward. And Ethan, I think that's a phenomenal point. I, I don't know if I had fully considered the fact that, you know, David Griffin knows what it's like to have to make a move for LeBron James. Like mm-hmm. I, he knows what he would have been willing to do. And it's like, ah, oh, man, I could choose to back out and, or give myself leverage. Or I could say, man, that that's a really tough spot to be in. I just need, I just need to do it. And so he, he probably knew the extent to what he could get from the Lakers. And I mean, if, for me, first of all, for the Lakers, it's worth it because of LeBron's, timeline you get anthony davis uh and now you are automatically contending next year like we don't know who the rest of the guys are on the roster but you have lebron james anthony davis if they're both healthy you're contending um but the david griffin got in my opinion a probably the best haul for a player that we've seen in a very very long time uh i you know you, you think about when other stars have said, you know, I want to be traded. I want out of here. Uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard, the most recent one who, you know, went for basically DeMar DeRozan this year's first round pick and Jakob Pertl. Like that's not sniffing this deal. Um, you, you, you look at, at the time, you know, the Paul George trade, you were able to garner Victor Oladipo and you were able to garner, um, you know, Sabonis, which at the time, it was mocked. It was mocked, you know, to high heavens. Now it ended up being a one of those rare win-win trades for both teams because both teams mm-hmm. got what they needed. OKC was able to hold on to Paul George, and so like we look back on that one fondly. But yeah, it was mocked in the moment. Like this is one of those ones where it's like immediately you're like, man, New Orleans Pelicans, you got a lot for those prospects. Like it's it's been since the yeah you know, like that that Boston uh, Brooklyn trade where. Even then, in the moment, like people thought that that Brooklyn trade was going to make them a really big contender. Like it wasn't until it's like one year later, it's like, oh wow, oh wow, this could go really poorly for Brooklyn, and it did. Yep, yes, it certainly did. You got to look at the like how many assets are you actually giving up, and when you t- include the swaps, it can get scary because like if the Pelicans you know can rise to power and be a better team, if the Lakers 
you know, especially if, if LeBron James does take a steep decline because aging happens, mm-hmm. like you could see the, the Lakers being, you know, a dangerous and scary six or seven seed, but you could see them at the bottom of the West playoff pitcher. And then you're, you're talking about moving from, you know, 25 in the lot in the, uh, in the draft to, to 18, 19, 20. And that's a big jump in talent sometimes. And I mean, with, with these, once you get beyond that, you know, 2021, 2022 year, you know, LeBron's off the roster in 23, then 24 and 25. Uh, we really only know that we've got Anthony Davis on the roster. Now, I don't want to overblow this because, uh, you know, Anthony Davis, while he has been, you know, slightly injury prone, it's really just been injuries where it's, oh, man, I'm out for half the game or maybe I'm out for a couple of games that he comes back in. But, if you suffer any injury to Anthony Davis at all, well, automatically, I mean, if he's all you've got on the team at that point, I don't know what they'll have. It's too far out to really know, but you all of a sudden become an awful team. And that, that could be a really good draft pick, especially with these flattened odds. And, and so who knows what that could end up um, looking like down the road. It's it, for me, I think that uh, David Griffin, because he had the, uh, the leverage because he knows what it's like to be a LeBron GM and the artificial leverage that the Lakers put on themselves by going through this whole fiasco, which Ethan yeah. alluded to at the beginning, like it allowed him to get a a really good haul. I think I, I did not expect him to get all of these first round uh, picks. And, and that's, uh, I think one of the things that we look at the talent, I mean, a ball Ingram and Hart, and when ball and Ingram, we don't know where it's going to end up, but, you're right about David Griffin looking at those picks, and he's like, "Is it six picks in total?" They could possibly no, it, it's it's this year, so we got one, two. Uh, it's three first rounders okay. that are going to you that you did not have, and then a pick swap, um, in your favor in 2023. Yeah, but I'm I'll take that if I was here because I don't know. I'm sure you guys all read the rumors about the other packages that are on the table, and I feel like for building towards the future, yeah. when you have a guy like Zion who's coming in this is probably one of the best scenarios he could have found himself in. I feel like a, a Clippers package could have been, could have been better, but I am not quite sure if they were as, they definitely weren't as aggressive here. And the Boston mm-hmm. one was definitely not, not there. Yeah. Um, w- one thing of note here is that the Lakers kept Kyle Kuzma. Like he was the one guy for whatever reason, they didn't want to include in the deal. I have my own thoughts about why they decided not to, whether they're, founded well or not like i i think that they kept kyle kuzma because they, they said you're right out of all these guys we've got to give up brandon ingram we've got to give up um you know lonzo ball like th- those are guys that that they're probably asking for uh you know we'll give you josh hart we want to hold on to kuzma because if you keep kuzma it allows you to it allows LeBron, I think, through a longer regular season to take less of a beating. If you if you want to give LeBron a rest on the defensive end, like he tends to want to do, then you can assign Kuzma to the bigger body or to the more difficult defender. Even though he's not a good defender, um, it's just you're a lot you're you're saving LeBron um, as far as his health is is concerned. So that would be the reason why you would keep someone like him over say a Josh Hart or something that that's what I think. I don't like Kyle Kuzma and it's not that I don't like him. Um, like his play style. Like I, I can get around with, with that kind of play style. Like, cause you know who guys, you know who he is. He's Michael Beasley. 
but the only reason everyone loves him is because he – or not everyone, but the media loves him is because he plays in La La Land, and he's not, you know, two years in Miami, then shipped to Minnesota. Like, it's – he's just in the public eye so much more, but go look at the stats. They're, they're the same guy. One just – it plays in a th- way more three-point heavy era, obviously, and one, you know, smoked a lot of weed, so the media, you know, scolded him over it. So, like – yeah, I, I I just don't want to hear it that uh, Kuzma is a build a, a key building piece. He's he all all he is is a dude that can get some buckets. Like, I think that but he's not that good. That they needed to keep a dude. They needed to keep one of those yeah. guys just because, like, if you're not wanting to have minimum salary guys uh, playing, then like in your starting lineup, then you have to keep someone like Kuzma. Uh, you have to keep them on the books in order to. Uh, to make it happen. But uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can, you can say, you know, maybe you'd rather have had Josh Hart over Kyle Kuzma or, or whatever. I don't know. Um, point is he's a body there. I think that can help LeBron long-term. And that's fair. But yeah. Kyle Kuzma is a joke. There we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah. One last shot. in, didn't you? One well, I got, shot. I got one, I got one shot, not for Kyle Kuzma, but for Rob Palenka, because when the, when the trade, um, when the details of the trade began to, to come out, uh, and the pick swaps were talked about, uh, I thought that the pick swaps ended up, were going to be the tax to delay this trade. Mm. The reason why the Lakers are wanting to delay this trade is because if they delay the trade, um, they would have to, well, they'd have to sign whoever the rookie is and then trade him 30, 30 days later. That's what's in the CBA. The reason you'd, you'd want to do that is because currently they have enough space to bring in a max slotted guy. And so you could bring in that max salary guy. And then 30 days from now you execute the trade. And in doing so that you can use the money that would go to that rookie deal, rookie player and send it over uh, as you know, a salary matcher for Anthony Davis. So I thought that was what was going to happen. I thought that that was why the Pelicans were able to get so much in return as far as the pick swaps and like the decision to defer from 2024, 2025. I thought that was the reason, but it appears, no, that was just the cost for Anthony Davis. Instead, like the current, um, I think, um, mindset of New Orleans is this trade's going down as soon as it can. Yeah. July 6th. Uh, which would have been, which would be as soon as these rookies uh, can can get signed and and we can make the tra- and so I like this is awful for the for the Los Angeles Lakers and here's why uh, if the Lakers had decided to delay it they would have thirty two and a half million dollars in room and they could you know they could then sign whatever max player they wanted to and all would have been well but in pushing up the deadline they only have. $27.8 million, not enough for the Jimmy Butlers or Kemba Walkers or heck, even maybe Tobias Harris or Chris Middleton's of the world, right? Like there's a lot of money out there that people can throw out at people. And all of this is assuming that Anthony Davis waives a $4 million trade bonus. If you're Anthony Davis and you're not going to be able to get a max slot guy, are you waiving that $4 million? Like if, if I knew the Jimmy Butler was coming, I probably okay, fine, I'll waive that. But if it's like if I'm just gonna be getting, I mean, I, I don't know who I'm getting. Like we could throw out some names, but if Malcolm I'm just getting, Brogdon. so the so I looked up the numbers. 
Malcolm Brogdon, the Lakers could sign with the max because he's a guy who's going to take 25% of the salary cap because he's a four-year player. So like that's who, if the Lakers don't push back, if the Lakers and Pelicans can't agree to push it back 30 days, um, push back the deal 30 days, then, you know, it's, it's, it's an issue where you can only bring in Malcolm Brogdon's. And I guess I should also add like the reason why the Pelicans wouldn't want to do this is because if the Pelicans draft someone with that fourth, or if the Lakers draft someone for the Pelicans, which is what they're going to have to do with that fourth overall pick, that player could not play in summer league because he's the rights are with the Lakers until that trade is officially made. So, and because of that, like we're saying, hey, we want the Lakers to be able to get more space if we wait. Well, if they do it earlier, guess who gets more space? The New Orleans Pelicans. So the Pelicans don't have the incentive to do it. So you're basically stuck with getting a Malcolm Brogdon type of guy. Maybe that's who you want. If I mean, I don't know. It's reserving max a max slot for Malcolm Brogdon seems a little bit pricey, but it's either that or even lesser guys out in free agency. I don't know. I Rob Polinka. I I don't know why I had more faith in you for about uh, five hours. I will say this is probably the last thing on this topic, but the, Malcolm Brogdon is going to be in his prime for this that True. that duration of that year because he is an old man already. True. And with that in mind, like it making maybe makes it a little bit more palatable. And also, mm-hmm. if you're you're thinking about, well, we are a finals contender with LeBron and Anthony Davis, so let's do our best to take away another finals to can. Contender in the East. That's fair. So, like, I think he's a, a reasonable target for this team, especially if they place themselves out of the Jimmy Butler, Kimball Walker. He traded away too many assets to acquire Bradley Beal sweepstakes. Yeah, and, and I suppose if you're offering like contracts, like it, it doesn't matter, except you may, maybe someone else, you know, people who you else you might want to sign sign somewhere else. But like, if you, even the money can't it being tied up doesn't really particularly matter i don't think except just i think the way that it would look um you know you you tying up your money and not being able to spend for what three days or whatever yeah and the bucks would be probably very willing to not finish the uh the reply for that yeah they're they're, they're, they're gonna use the full like down to the last second they're like "Eh, okay we, we won't match or we will we will match whatever oh boy anyways let's move on let's get out let's move on beyond this Ethan, tell us what we're doing next. So we're going to do a mock draft, um, 1 through 12. We chose that because that excludes all of our teams. Um, Richard and I will be doing a second pod with like our team specifically and other players that where we might like to see them fall. But today, we're going to be going 1 through 12, and we've all assigned ourselves the teams. And, yeah, we're going we're gonna to pick and see where the, where the players fall, where the prospects end up. So, with the first pick in the NBA draft, I, David Griffin, master of the Anthony Davis trade, um, I won the lottery because I'm awesome. I'm going to have to pick Zion Williamson, obviously. I mean, this has been known uh, for basically since the cards came out on the draft lottery night. Pelicans are getting Zion Williamson. uh, And listen, I think him... First of all, is there any beef out there for for you guys? Anyone saying, you know what? Maybe they shouldn't get Zion Williamson. Yes, because I want it. Okay, f- fair enough. Yeah, no beef. <laughs> so, so like personally, Ethan Elkin and I do not have any issue with the Pelicans getting Zion Williamson. We don't think he should go lower. This is where he should go. He's the top prospect, and 
you know, with the this new trade, you've got Zion Williamson, uh, who projects to be a a really good multi-position defender, uh, guy who's going to go up and catch some lobs from uh, Lonzo Ball. You've got him, Brandon Ingram. You've got Drew Holiday. You've got Lonzo Ball. Like you've already got the makings of a phenomenal defensive roster. Like this is some amazing stuff can go on with uh, within this core. And, you know, we also got the fourth pick coming up uh, for that. And so we'll, you know, we can do even more. But I, I'm just super enticed on the um, on the defensive end and just what we can do in transition if we're the Pelicans. Yeah, shooting might be a little bit lacking at the moment. But you know what? I don't care. This is uh, an awesome way to make things really exciting in New Orleans. You don't pass on Zion. Um, flaws, you know, don't, don't not important because he's that far ahead of everybody else in this yes. class. If I were to have passed on Zion right now, we would have just canceled the pod and re-recorded until I stopped. Yeah, we would, Zion. Like, we, we would have found a, th- a new third member. Probably would have kicked me out of the kicked you, me out of the podcast. You clearly have bad decisions. Yes, indeed, I poor decision maker out here. But so yeah, that's it. Northern Pelicans. Zion Williamson. That is who I am picking for the Pelicans. Let's go down to. Elkin, you are picking second for the Memphis Grizzlies. Who we got, Elkin? Uh, after a lot of deliberation, Memphis Grizzlies. I'm going to be going for one Mr. John Morant out of Murray State. Point guard, 6'3". Hmm. And I feel like after Zion, it's your second best player in the NBA draft. See, so first of all, no qualms from me. I think I, I agree. I think it's it's the right move. Uh, the the question for the Grizzlies is: Do you then say, you know what, we're going uh, a Mike Conley, John Morant backcourt, or are we moving on from Mike Conley? I don't know. That, like that, that's the question that I think has to be asked. It might be time for them to look at, or for the Grizzlies to look at moving past Mike Conley, and who knows, could get something in this draft, another pick. That could benefit them. I don't know. I'm looking at other teams who I mean, probably I, want to something. I think the teams who are in the running are the ones that were in the running last year, right? Like yeah. Utah, um, uh, Indiana was, you know, mentioned before. Uh, I mean, Detroit has been mentioned, but I, I that that didn't work. Like those are the teams in general have been mentioned. Any other ones that we're forgetting about? I wouldn't rule out the Celtics, especially if there's a Kyrie Irving exit, because yeah. Mike, Con- like especially Mike Conley, he he makes a lot of sense as a guy who doesn't have to have the ball in his hands as often. You pair it with Jason Brown, Tatum, and 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 Hayward. We're looking at Conley being able to do a lot of what er- er- Kyrie did, but he's such a better ball mover and a better defender. But I'm not sure. Like that that one's difficult, just with like the money matching. Like it is who, true. Who who gets sent out there? Are we, are we trading Marcus Smart because that's not great? Um, it ends up being kind of like a the the money that would match easily would be Hayward, but you don't really want to send Hayward out because you anticipate like this next year is going to be you know an extra year removed from coming back from the injury. I don't know. It, that one's a little bit tough, but yeah, they have been mentioned. Yeah, so that's it. I think the only question about why we take uh, Morant over one, say R.J. Barrett, is if you are you have decided you are done with the Conley um, era, because R.J. Barrett would fit nicely next to a Conley. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he doesn't, you know, wouldn't cause any problems. You could, you know, learn from Conley, who's you know a great vet from all accounts. Then you have R.J. Barrett as a pick and roll ball handler, like you know, maybe not quite as proficient as Ja, 
but he's you know he's got size so that's an attractive feature and his shot while like not incredible like he shot worse than zion but it's, it looks nice so i would think it's going to translate at some point i think it will come around um like that could be your you know quick rebuild um versus you know jo- trading conley and having jaw take over long term because barrett um jaron jackson jr and mike conley s- sounds like a good start yeah. yeah obviously not on the same time like not even like really overlapping timelines i don't know no. but you're looking at conley expiring his current deal before um, those guys get paid, and then if you get him on a more team-friendly deal going forward, you you, you could see where that could – you know, he, Conley has a game that should age pretty well as he is a good catch-and-shoot threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's fair to mention, um, but yeah, I, I think I, I – Yeah, I, I think I agree with, uh, with, with where we're at so far. I, I don't disagree. I just want to say things. <laughs> there you go. Well, now you get to say more things, Ethan, because you, you are running the New York Knickerbockers. You become you become James Dolan himself, and, uh, <laughs> and so who are you drafting, Sir James Dolan? Well, I want to first ask um, Atlanta, um, not Atlanta Hawks, uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Is there any reason that you would want to move up and um, and pair um, teammates together once again, or Atlanta Hawks? Maybe you can give me all three of your first round picks, and I can you know take three shots in the dark versus just this one. See, here's, here's the issue for, for new, new Orleans Pelicans here. Sorry. I don't know if I, if that's trademarked. Can I, can I say that? I don't know. Yeah, um, okay. <laughs> um, but new Orleans, if I'm new Orleans, I just got Zion. I just traded for Lonzo ball. Uh, I have drew holiday and Brandon Ingram. Um, I may, I may move off of drew holiday if I find the right, uh, you know, trade partner for that if i can get more assets you know perhaps but if zion williamson and rj barrett uh you know neither one of them was phenomenal at shooting last year and that may have something to do with them playing together and you know just being being non-shooters and, and maybe it's maybe it's a coach k thing and maybe we were here for the coach k slander i don't know but uh, i know ethan is <laughs> but uh i I would actually prefer to not do that because not only am I going to have to trade the fourth pick, I'm going to have to give up some sort of asset. And you know what? I don't feel like whatever the tax would be is probably going to be Josh Hart. I don't want to throw that in there. I, I want to see what I've gotten those guys. So I'm going to take a hard pass. Um, uh, I will say it was a soft pass for um, Zion Williamson's sake, but it's a hard pass. I'm okay. Okay, so the Knicks will then take R.J. Barrett, third overall. I think it's the right pick. It's the highest upside pick. You know, I I would say him and Morant are closer than some in the media otherwise would have said, just because I like so- size over everything. And um, he's got size, finesse, um, great great Canadian. You know, Canadians are the thing right now. So I'm I'm here for it. I I don't think there's anyone else in this draft l- remaining that has the upside of R.J. Barrett. So my my question to um to to you James Dolan is this uh who are we with the seventy million dollars that we have available to ourselves who are we, who are we putting next to uh, R J Barrett I don't know yet I think there's a <laughs> lot of great options out I, here I, I, think, I, I think, think that's actually true like in real I, life I don't <laughs> I think I think there's plenty of people who want to come to the Garden the Mecca they want to play for me. My fans, we have your the best band? fans in the world. They want to hear my band play halftime. Everything is good and rosy in the garden. Why would why would anyone 
Why, why wouldn't someone want to come here? No, man. I can't think of a single reason. Not once. You can't think of one single reason. My goodness. Couldn't well, be me. Oh, uh, boy. RJ Barrett, I, you know, fine, fine pick. Uh, and we'll have to see. We'll have to see how it goes. There is a lot of hope for him. But and anything you want to say, Elkin, about that RJ Barrett pick? No, I'll take that pick. Okay. Well, the next we have the New Orleans Pelicans who just got that trade, got that fourth pick from the Lakers and in Atlanta Hawks. Um, would you like to make a deal? What are we talking about? What type of deal are we talking about here? Here's what I'm thinking. You have you got a lot of you got a lot of first round picks. You got that uh, that extra pick from the Dallas Mavericks. You have your own pick. You have eight, ten. You also have seventeen. And so, my question is: Would you like to do eight and ten to be able to jump up and have your pick at? the remaining wings uh, or whoever else you want. Maybe you maybe want someone else. I don't know, but you want to jump up and make that selection uh, up at the fourth pick four for eight and 10. Four for eight and 10. And there's you can no, keep 17. You can keep 17. There's no way you, there's no way you want to do four for eight and 17. You know what? We don't quite fancy anyone at, at 17. Right I, I, you know, let's, let's, let's just do four for eight and 10. It's easier that All way. Right. All right, let's go ahead and do that trade. Collusion. Right. <laughs> collusion. A <laughs> uh, little bit of little, little bit of collusion there. So um so now Atlanta, you've got the fourth pick. New Orleans jumps down to eight and ten. Go ahead, Atlanta. What are you thinking? The fourth pick, I'm gonna go for one. Jarrett Culver. Ah, Jarrett Culver. The 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 wing out of Texas Tech. Mm. Yes. I like his game, like what I saw, especially determined. I know he had a horrible championship game, but overall his body of work showed me as a wing that we can definitely build on, especially for the future. Yeah. I mean, you know, tough in the championship game. Still, you know, he's one of the guys who led that Texas tech team you yep. know, defensively. Um, and they're one of the better defensive teams in, in the nation. And it just, they hit, they hit Virginia, another one of the best defensive teams mm-hmm. in the nation, but you know, Jarrett Culver, uh, you know, you can imagine his fit in there with, uh, you know, Trey young and Kevin Herter and like it, it and we, we don't want, don't want to forget about, uh, you know, Collins, but like, I think it has fit in there and the potential that he has to, um, and I don't know, just be able, to, be able to do a little bit more with the ball. I think that would be a, a good move uh, mm-hmm. for, you know, for him to just be able to, I think, do have a little bit more creation than some of the other guys that might be there uh, at that spot. So I think I think it's a good move there for the Atlanta Hawks. And, and going off that, I think his creation has to exist because his his three point shot, um, there's. It's it's just his shot's a little wonky, you know. It it mm. kind of looks a little slow. And when you're mm-hmm. talking about an NBA closing out, a defender closing out on him, I think it's going to have some propensity to be blocked. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a shot overhaul that's going to need to take place. I like his flu- the fluidity of his game, his ability to like kind of get it get a step past people. But if we are talking about um, being a, a stretch a, a stretch the floor kind of guy uh, for Trey Young, uh, catch and shoot's going to be important. So like, if he can't stretch it out as well because you know he, he did only shoot 30 percent uh last year in college he's gonna need to have a secondary skill and i do agree richard uh his ability to probe is is, is good and important 
Yeah, and he's one of the guys, and obviously it's draft season, and so a lot of these things can be thrown out there. But you know, you hear from from people who are who are uh, who who would who are in the know that he's one of those guys who is who is really going to work, and uh, that's not the case for all these guys. Obviously, that's why some of them don't make it. But he's one of those guys who's willing to put in the work, and um, so yeah, I think he makes sense there for Atlanta. Way to go up and get your guy. All right. And now we're moving on to Cleveland, who oh, is also hi. owned by Elkin Beltry, getting a lot of picks here early. Um, Elkin, you are the Cleveland Cavaliers. You drafted Colin Sexton last year. Where are you going with the fifth pick in the 2019 NBA draft? Uh, I know some of the better players left are backcourt players. One, Darius Garland. We have Kobe White. But I'm look, looking for a wing. Looking for a wing at this time. I, Cleveland Cavaliers for the sixth pick, well, sorry, fifth pick, we'll select DeAndre Hunter. Mm. And I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. Thinking between, I was looking at, between DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, but I think DeAndre Hunter, his game suits what Cleveland Cavaliers need at this time. Listen, for me, uh, speaking as Richard here, yeah. give, give me that 48% from the three-point line. Give me, give me, give me the guy who I know uh, can can make can make shots. Who yeah. is a good on ball defender and is basically going to be one of like the okay. He's your three and D guy. Like he's the guy there for that. Like give me that guy who I know is going to be good. Perhaps maybe someone like Cam Reddish. Maybe he has more versatility. But give give me the guy who is able to cover uh, you know multiple multiple positions. Who's able to shoot well. And I know he'll be able to shoot well. And I know that it will translate to the next level. Like, give me that guy. Give me DeAndre Hunter. So I, I, I agree with this pick. Ethan, how are you feeling? I don't see a whole lot of upside potential with DeAndre Hunter. And if I'm if I'm the Cavs, I'm I'm looking more for um, upside players, guys who I'm not so worried about complimenting Colin Sexton as much as I am worried about getting the next guy who's going to help the Cavs make the playoffs um, and be the primary primary piece. And with that in mind, I would I would take another guard and I would go with Darius Garland and play those two guys next to each other. I think Sexton is good enough defensively to hold up against a lot of twos. You know, the Clay Thompson of the world, not so much. But almost every other two guard in the league, you know, James Harden, another exception. But we're talking about the elites of the elites. And I'm putting my money that Darius Garland is going to be a guy who's going to be 20, 20 and six as a points per game and assist guy. He's going to raise the floor of my team. I would, I would take him over a guy. I think ultimately is just, is, is like maxes out at a, a at Trevor Ariza. Fair enough. I, I think he can go a little bit higher than that, but like those types of guys are the guys that you need in the NBA. To, like today, I those are the guys who who can uh, for me be a little bit lower usage uh, with the potential if he, if he can if he can have some creation you know then, then that's fine but I don't know I I'm sold on on DeAndre Hunter here. Great, cool. All right, so my pick next is the Phoenix Suns, and if if what I said in the last pick didn't sway you enough, um, I'm going Darius Garland for the Phoenix Suns at. Um, that pick number six. I think Devin Booker makes up for the size in that backcourt. Mm-hmm. I think between the two of them, that's two in, like very good plus shooters. 
Darius Garland, I do worry a little bit about some of his half-court playmaking, um, especially if he's going to be now a secondary guy. But I think he's going to help. I think he's good enough that when you pair him with Booker, those two make up and have a really good uh, scoring and a facilitating backcourt. DeAndre Ayton um, is going to be able to kind of just be a screen setter, find his spots. I think he his ability to stretch out is going to help both those guys with probing. And so, Darius Garland, you are now a Phoenix Sun. Congratulations. For me, I, I – well, first of all, the rumors that are out there, I, I heard that they actually have not been able to get him in for a workout just because he, I don't think, initially thought he might drop down that far uh, with, with the Lakers there. And I think he limited his, his workouts also because injury history and stuff. And so – uh, I don't know if they've actually been able to see him. And I do think I have heard that they are interested maybe more in a uh, Kobe White, um, mm-hmm. who, the, uh, you know, a bigger guard, you know, standing at uh, nearly 6'5", who can be effective uh, off ball as a spot up three point shooter. And, you know, he's one of those guys who's going to try hard on defense which I think you might need to have. I mean, I don't know how good he's going to be. I don't think he's one of those guys who's going to be, uh, you know, a phenomenal defender of the one and two positions, but you need, I feel like it's better to have someone who's taller uh, and who is, it was just a bigger body uh, on the defensive end than it, uh, if you're Phoenix Suns having, you know, the type of roster that they have. Plus, I, I am more so, you know, how, you know how I feel about point book. And and so Kobe White being able to play off ball, I think a little bit more effectively, I think would be what I would prefer if I was a Suns. But I can't knock it. I mean, I, I don't know why you would think a 48% three-point shooter in his limited sample size in college wouldn't be able to be off ball threat. No, it's, it's just like he's, if, if you have him, he's probably the guy who's running the show a, a little bit more. Like, and just the fact that we have seen so little of him, I don't know. I just, I, I look at him as the, they do a very similar thing to what Goran Dragic and Dion Waiters did in their effective runs, where it's a lot of, I attack. I, if I don't have it, I find you, you attack. And obviously with both their abilities to shoot off the dribble, I think it, it just makes it even more likely that they'll be able to probe effectively when they space the floor for each other. Perhaps. I, I just think that, uh, you know, if, if you're, if you're getting him, he's already kind of slight, um, you know, maybe there's injury concern. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I might just think a little bit more about Kobe White here, but that's, that's fine. I mean, I, I can't knock it because I mean, Phoenix has been trying to get a point guard for literally forever. Yep, and it's Darius Garland for me. I'm Fair enough. I'm, and you're I'm, picking. I'm Fair sold. Enough. Fair enough. So that leads us to hey, me. It's me again. I am the <laughs> Chicago Bulls, who also apparently are in need of a point guard. Maybe I just wanted you know Darius Garland to go to Chicago, and that was me, uh, you know, being Garpax trying to you know mix things up so that he would slide to us. But you know what? It's it's okay. We've got to make a selection. So for, uh, for us, I mean, I, I just kind of tried to give the case for Kobe white and, uh, there it is. He is, he is the, um, I guess last point guard of this range who is available. And that's basically what we need. We have our past few draft picks have stocked up the front court 
in Wendell Carter and Laurie Markkinen. We went and uh, traded for Otto Porter Jr. We got Zach Levine. <sighs> when you, if you're a team this, you know, who, who, who's like this, who's, who just hasn't been good, who just isn't that good, you know, maybe adding a point guard is helpful. I, I can't, I can't not go Kobe White here. I think I have to go Kobe White if I am the Chicago Bulls just to give myself just to give myself point guard and all the things that were said about uh, you know defensively and, and pairing up with um, Devin Booker also apply when talking about Zach Levine. So I, yeah. that's, where, that's where I got to go. So I am one to think that this is probably the pick. I think Kobe White makes a lot of sense for the Bulls. I think he makes more sense for the Bulls than he does for the Suns. I think Kobe White would run like his, his, um, willingness and desire to push the pace and sprint up and down the court um i think would hurt sons more so than it hurts um the bulls the bulls have some wings out here zach levine who can get up for alley-oops auto porter jr who is you know good at you know running with pace i think kobe white makes a lot more sense for this team whereas garland like i'm sure he'd, he'd be fit fit fine too but i think kobe white would outrun deandre ayton and and Devin Booker, and you just have a lot of wild layups. So I think pacing-wise, he makes more sense for the Bulls team. You know, Wendell Carter Jr., I think, fits as a guy who could play with some pace. Lloyd Markin and trailer threes. I like I like all the things that Kobe White, if he plays to his strengths, can do. And then he can go off ball, and Zach Levine can run some half-court sets. I, I think the fit of Darius Garland would be better in Chicago. Uh, and I, I, I feel like if, if I, if I'm looking at these two teams compositely, like I think the fit would be best for just overall the other way around, but maybe we're just saying Darius Garland is a better prospect than Kobe white and in ha Phoenix picks before Chicago. So there. Hmm. That's interesting that you think that Kobe white fits better in, in Phoenix. And I do, I do. I don't know. We got to talk off pod about that. Cause I don't want to spend a half hour trying to understand that. This is this is this is fair. Um, so, uh, anything you want to add to that, Elkin? Before I make my next pick at eight for the New Orleans Pelicans, no, I'm fine with Kobe White going to the Bulls. Okay, so um, I have two of the next three picks as the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I am very happy with my roster at the moment uh, and my situation. Got Zion Williamson already, Brandon Ingram. Uh, got Drew Holiday, who I might look to move, but you know, no, no decisions yet. Uh, and I got Lonzo Ball. So uh, the the idea here is at the moment we've got a team that looks to be really awesome defensively, and but also a team that can really just the pace. I I can I can run trans run in transition all day long, and. You know what I want to do? I, I just want to keep going on in that mold. And this pick off the bat might not look, it might be like, you know, you just drafted Zion Williamson, but I'm going to go with uh, one Brandon Clark out of Gonzaga. Um, with with him you know, being theoretically playing the same position as Zion being another four, he's six foot eight, Zion six seven. Um, but Brandon Clark is, is the type of person where he is going to, to catch lobs. He's going to dunk. He's going to try incredibly hard defensively. I just, I think that his fit if you know, throwing, you know, just speaking in Ethan Huffman speak, the three big rotation, man, he could do some amazing things 
in in that rotation with Zion and whoever else they have there as the other big, uh, you probably need to get a more traditional big man just for the long haul and regular season. But you can close lineups with Brandon Clark. You can close lines, uh, lineups with Zion Williamson. And Brandon Clark has the ability to uh, guard you know, you know, a number of positions. He can, he's just someone who is going to be able to fit into this mold of defense and transition. And uh, I, I like the feel of it and it's going to lead to incredible numbers of dunks. Lob city uh, now has moved to new Orleans with this pick. Elk, and you had a reaction to that pick being made. I want to hear your thoughts I here. And I, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe I'm off base with this. I feel like Brandon Clark is a reach at that spot. I, I feel like he is a reach. I, see, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Elkin, and that he might, that maybe that is has is higher than he should go if we're just talking big board. I, I don't agree with you, but I understand your premise here. But here's my thought process. Um, he is an attractive player to a lot of people who have picks. I think about the Boston Celtics, and if they have all these picks here in this draft, and they're like, who? how are we going to make sure Al Horford's legs are preserved? We need to give him a, a, a another guy in the big rotation who can, you know, take a beating, who can be a great defensive player and also help our team because you think about Brandon Clark playing next to Al Horford in the front court, pair with Hayward, pay with Tatum, pay with Brown. That's scary good defense. Mm-hmm. I, I would be worried about anyone jumping up into the picks that I don't control. And that could be the Washington Wizards being willing to trade back because they don't have anything going for them. They need a lot of new talent and they need a lot of cheap talent. They'd be very willing to move down. And so I look at this pick as you take him at eight especially with the trade that we made because he is at risk to get plucked by a really good team who would like to put him in a plug and play situation. The team that the team that I'm worried about being able to make a trade with the wizards in that would be the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like as well, that, that fit of him, because he's the type of player who I think at his best needs to be with a big who can space the floor a little bit, who can shoot. Now, obviously we'll see what that looks like in with if. New Orleans, maybe, you know, Zion can kind of shoot. Uh, it's not the best, but he'll at least, he at least made a lot of attempts uh, over at Duke. Him, uh, Brandon Clark next to Carl Anthony Towns would be ridiculous because it, uh, like the, you know, Carl Anthony Towns can shoot 40%. He can operate that space um, while Brandon Clark can just operate the, you know, right around the rim and dunk everything home. It, like, for me, that would be something that I'm scared of. Yes, Washington Wizards are picking here uh, in between them, these two New Orleans picks. I don't, I don't really think that Washington is the team that would select Brandon Clark, but I don't want to get jumped by someone. Uh, I'd rather solidify him here and then hope that the Wizards don't pick who I want to pick with uh, number 10. Does, does this logic um, translate if it's, let's say, eight eighth and 17 instead like do you still think you you grab him there versus maybe taking a higher higher upside pick i do because i uh like the who would be the higher upside i actually i don't want to quite get into that because i don't want to i got i got to pick at 10 coming up here um and i understand that i was just kind of confirming that this is the if new orleans makes that trade with atlanta they need a target number eight and whatever else is okay, but number eight is important because mm-hmm. that fit having Brandon Clark, Zion, Lonzo, 
that, those three right there, that's your rebounding core. You know, a lot of times when people go small, we saw it in the when in the Warriors Raptors when they went small, they didn't have great rebounders. Lonzo Ball is a great rebounding guard. I think Brandon Clark's going to be a good rebounder, and Zion Williamson. You you're going to have three of the top athletes on the floor at all times, and I think that's a great like a great and scary closing lineup, regardless of what else you throw around them. The switchability that I have uh, with the Pelicans, with with the way things have turned out, is like one through five is phenomenal. I mean, granted, um, you know, Drew Holiday is probably not going to be able to pick up fours and fives, but like you know, Lonzo Ball is is tall. He's six. Like I I can switch and get away with it and not get totally destroyed. It's really that's what I love about this uh, team on the defensive end that we've constructed this far. All right, so. Washington Wizards, it yep. is. Washington Wizards. And that's me. Wow. That's you, Ethan. I, I get to make a pick again. You need to make a pick. Sorry. It's been a while. So, um, with the Wizards, I look at um, how this has transpired, and I agree Brandon Clark was not a fit, so he was not in the consideration. The decision I'm making is between three players, and one of these is going to sound like a reach um, per what consensus, but I'm having a trouble deciding between Sakum Duboya Cam Reddish, and then, yes, Nasir Little is the mm. guy I have I've slowly fallen in love with as I've watched him in context of playing for the Miami Heat. Um, but speaking for the Wizards, I'm, I'm, I am thinking you need maximum upside here. And when we're talking maximum upside, you think about shot creation and shot-making ability. And that's where I go, Sakun Mboya, because – Based on what I see him do with the ball in his hands and the highlight videos and some of the low light videos I saw, his his ambition with the ball in his hands is is hard to match with those other two players. You know, we saw Nasir Little struggle um, to coexist with Kobe White, the other freshman at UNC, because he was obviously the uh, alpha dog with the ball in his hands. And Cam Reddish um, had a lot of opportunities to be a to be a really good player with the ball in his hands at Duke and really, um, you know, did not show out. I believe, I believe him to be a good player. I think like, I think he plays weight or looks way bigger than six to eight. Like that's what he's measured at. But like Cam Reddish, like his size is like, he looks enormous on the court. Maybe that's his hair, but like, I really like, like the idea of him. But when I look at Cam Reddish, I see, I see him as Otto Porter, uh, Otto Porter Jr. And, I just traded that, so I'm kind of done with it. I may, I need more from my small forward, and that's where Sekou um really catches my eye and why I am going to select him. See, Sekou Dumboya is basically like the attempt at Pascal Siakam. Like, he's one of those guys who's going to be, again, versatile on the defensive end, uh, be able to get out in transition, and uh, you hope that his shot is something that, uh, you know, Develops a little bit, you know, in uh, the French league, he shot uh, 32% uh, from, from three this past year, but 77% free throw shooter, uh, albeit in a small sample size, he's kind of a project, but at this point, like Washington, like that, that's fine because you're not really doing much. Right. This, this year is kind of a punt. I was kind of thinking, all right, what, what pick do we take? And then what other like is there is there any other picks that we can acquire and you know thinking in Washington's minds that we want for Bradley Beal in this draft? And I'm like, well, maybe this draft's not it. We need to think about another draft going forward. But I think Sakun Boya, like he, he plays a really good role. Like I think about like what Markeith Moore should have been and could have mm-hmm. been for yeah. that team, where uh, you know a guy who can play make and facilitate score in the front court. Markeith had moments of that. Mark Markeith won the hero ball player of the game in a wizards game that I attended when he played in the blazers. He hit 
killer threes. And I think almost I can't believe he scored twenty eight or thirty one points, but he had a great game. And Marquise Morris, like that's what he, he's supposed to do. I think Sikum Dumboya um, is going to have a good chance of being similar to what what that role we saw out of Marquise was, where he was catching, shooting threes, probing off the dribble when mismatches arrived. I think he can do that right away. Um, his physicality does not look like he'll take much in terms of transitioning to the NBA. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, any other comments about uh, this pick that Ethan's just made? Mm-hmm. Just let, just let me know. And I am sad. I am sad. I know you're sad. That, that that that's who I was like. I was really just trying to steer completely into it, like just a, a thousand percent into the let's get everyone who is switchable defensively, who can get out in transition, can uh, you know do stuff with the ball in their hands and and play make and kick out. And like I like that was that was the dream. There figure for, out how to shoot later. Figure out how to shoot. Figure out the shot later. Like that. That's you know. See how much it is to you know to, to bring in you know Kawhi's former shooting coach and, and over from San Antonio. I you know ah, sad. Okay, so with with that being said, ooh, can I really like? So I know that the R.J. Barrett Zion Williamson relationship. I know that's pretty tight. How close is the relationship between Zion and Cam Reddish? Because don't know. I know well, we I have no idea. With them. Ah man, he 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 didn't get called into those, uh, you know, like um, pre-lottery, uh, you know, interviews and stuff, and so maybe he's feeling a, a little bit hurt from that. I don't, I don't really want to go Cam Reddish with, uh, with this pick from the wow. New Orleans Pelicans. I, yeah, yeah I, Richard, I'm not. I'm NBA not executives thrilled. have to make tough picks all the time, and I feel mm-hmm. like right now you're ruining your chance to be an NBA executive because you're just so heartbroken <laughs> over one pick that you you didn't have a backup plan. You had one plan going. No, into it's it's not that I don't have a backup plan. It's just it it's who I would have liked. I mean, this is why they give uh, NBA executives, you know, whatever. What is it? Five minutes to make their pick so they can weep over the first minute. They can get themselves together over the second minute, and then make the you know make have yeah, three minutes to make. A, a wise choice. So <laughs> this this is just kind of where I'm at. So for for me at the moment, of course I don't have I, I still have Drew Holiday. I could uh, trade him off for something. I don't know if I want to do it yet. I I would rather hold on to him, see what it's like, and if things aren't going my way, trade him at the deadline. Or I still got another you know more time. I I can do this later. Uh, so I don't need to go out and necessarily you know go after um one of those guys who could who could take that role. I mean, maybe I could go this year a little, but you're going to still going to have the same type of issues that you would with, uh, you know, cam cam reddish. Uh, I do need a, a guy who can be my big. I do need someone who can be my more traditional big to Zion Williamson and the bigs that are out there that, uh, could be, could be, um, considered would be number one, Jackson Hayes from Texas. Uh, he tends to be a rim running big who, uh, you know what he's going to be. He's going to be a guy who's going to be there for rim protection and on defense and rim running on offense. Uh, he does have, uh, some, uh, he does have quick enough feet, uh, quicker than the second guy, uh, who, uh, let me make sure I pronounce this, uh, correctly. Goga, Goga Bidatsi. Uh, go go biz nasty. <laughs> okay, there you go. From uh, uh, Republic of Georgia. Yeah, he, he's he's from he's from he's from Georgia, not the state, the country. Um, and he's more of the 
uh, slow of foot, big guy who's going to set some real nice screens, who has the potential to spread the floor a little bit. Those are the two guys who are near the top. Uh, there's also a bull bull. So who, who can't be, who, who, you know, he's someone who has um, the uh, ability, you know, he's just so talented. It's just the injury history. Are you concerned there? Um, he's more of a high risk, high reward type of player. And then the last center that I think needs to be mentioned here is one Nick Claxton out of Georgia. Wow, at 10. Now, that, that's a little bit high. Um, <laughs> if, if I were going to go for Nick Claxton, just because that is so high, I would probably try to trade down. But we are only going to 12 picks, so I don't have that really, I don't really oh have that luxury. <laughs> so instead, what I'm going to do is I've already gotten, um, I've already gotten Zion Williamson. I've already hit the jackpot no matter what. I have already gotten Brandon Clark, who is going to uh, help the style of basketball that I want to play. It's time for me to take a risk. I'm going bull bull. We're going with the seven foot two guy who can who can spread the floor, who if it works out can be that three big rotation, having the ability to shoot next to Zion Williamson, having the ability to shoot next to a Brandon Clark. And I don't have to have him, you know, destroying people down low on the offensive end. I can give him a little bit of a break. That's who I want to go with. I'm going with talent. I'm going with the high risk, high reward because I've already got two of the top 10. This is my third pick in the top 10. I think it's the move that you need to make. You're safe with the other two guys. It's time for a risk. I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, three big rotation. It's exactly where I wanted you to go with this. You can um, love type of stuff. So you love three big rotation. I, do. Your- I, I don't I don't know how I haven't trademarked it yet. It's my <laughs> thing. No one else has said it. All me. And Bobo, um, for all his weaknesses, um, I would think help side defense will be the strength. Mm-hmm. I think because of his incredible length, he will be able to get to stuff, even if his fleetness of foot is not fully there. Uh, with that in mind, you got guys like Zion, Brandon Clark, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, and even Brandon Ingram, Ingram all guys who are going to slow down people in the route to the rim. Thus, the only way to really dominate Bull Bull on the defensive end is get a big, big guy who can put him under the basket and then score. Thus, that's two points. Like, and if you can get him to shoot threes on the other end, you might just win. If he, if Bull Bull can shoot well enough to play other bigs off the court, you've won this battle because that's really his only real weakness as defender. And then obviously the health health problems. Yeah, I watched uh, Bull Bull live at the Nike Hoop Summit, and he isn't not a big guy. Like he's huge, tall wise, but he is skinny and got pushed around by a bunch of guys who are not all that big. And with that in mind. You, you kind of get a pair with guys who are physical freaks, and that's a Brandon Clark, and that is a Zion Williamson. I'm just I'm just glad you're excited about it. I, I just think that it 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 makes sense for the situation. And you know what? David Griffin's feeling himself a little bit with all the all the things he's done. So I think it's the proper um it's the proper gamble. Uh and and like you mentioned, like even if they throw some some big guy to try to uh say, let's go ahead and ha- you know, back him down. Uh, guess what? You can switch and just say, you know, Zion, you're going to have to deal with this until they stop doing that. And uh, on the other end of the floor, you have brought that man all the way out. It's you you have, it's a really good, um, uh, I think, matchup and an an interesting fit. Um, But I'm about it. The distinctive trade-off, but I think like what we said is Bobo can shoot threes. The other guy makes twos. 
if they yep. both do it at like maximum efficiency, it's going to probably equal out. Yep. Elkin, your thoughts? I was a little bit worried at first. I was like, oh no, do we have Thom McCurr 2.0? But, but, as I listened to you guys in your discussion, listen to the patented three big rotation spiel by Ethan. I find myself saying, why not at this point? If you already got Clark and Williamson, why not? And this is about the draft too. As we know with the draft, you normally have your top picks are guaranteed. And then after that, we've seen it year after year that you have some picks that it's just a crapshoot that no one knows how these guys after like the top five, top eight are going to turn out to be. So I think you do have to eventually take, I mean, with all these first round draft picks, you have to take a high risk, high reward guy. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. It's an interesting fit. Uh, he wouldn't be a great fit on, other teams like if the Pistons if he comes in the Pistons are there I'm scared because I don't like I I am fearful because you already have Thon Maker and and so take him though I know it's we'll we'll see we'll see all right but, all right anyways that's make- it I'm done right now though Minnesota Timberwolves so I'm gonna take the approach I was looking at the roster that Minnesota has before them I'm gonna take the approach of taking best players available. And I was looking at who's available. I'm gonna take one Cameron Reddish. There you go. Now the, I thought slide ends. I was like, I was like, you know what? I was like, Andrew Wiggins is already that six eight guy. But I was like, you can have Cam Reddish at the two if anything, and you got a guy who can spread the floor. He can shoot it. I mean, his percentage. I think I believe it went down as the year progressed. His shooting 30, percentage. Thirty three percent. Yeah, he started off great, but then the game evolved. But I'm going to take it. We're building a bigger roster. Spread it around. Defensively, still much to see there, but I'm going to take the best player available right now. I was thinking about him with Nasir Little, though. I'll tell you that. Yeah, Nasir is interesting because I feel like his defensive potential is higher. I feel like he's a more of an explosive athlete, whereas um, Cam's more of a floating athlete. He's going to get to yeah. the places, but it's not. It's never going to look all that you know fantastic. Uh, I do. I agree, though. I think Nasir. I mean, I don't think Nasir's a pick for this team. I think it is Cam. Um, you know, Andrew Wiggins is, is that exploiting athlete. It hasn't worked out for him, and he's a little bit bigger than Nasir. So, like, I think you give the, you have this opportunity where both those guys have the have the physical tools to switch. Will they um, succeed on it? Hard to say. Ryan Saunders has a has a big big season ahead of him in his first year as an actual head coach instead of an interim head coach, but getting the most out of one Andrew Wiggins. And then especially if it's, if it, it, it doesn't matter if it's a Nasir Little, it doesn't matter if it's Cam Reddish, it doesn't matter if they go like PJ Washington, a guy that could space the floor with mm-hmm. Carlton Towns. It's going to be about how much switching can you do on defense? How flexible are you? How many mistakes can you cover up for what currently is a vacant point guard position in terms of defensive effect effectiveness? And, I think it's a good pick. He slipped. He slid further than most people will probably have him going, and thus I think it's it's probably a steal if he can be any semblance of what he was supposed to be out of high school. Yep, I agree. Let's get to the last pick. All right, the Charlotte Hornets. Um, very much sad that one Cameron did not fall one more pick. Although I couldn't see it coming. I'm looking at the situation. It's like it's so hard for me to think because I don't know what how, I don't know how Charlotte really feels about this Kemba Walk situation. I don't know. Are they like gonna offer him, you know, this huge contract and just be like praying that he doesn't actually take it? 
because they want to just tear it all down and start over? Mm-hmm. Or are they like really interested in keeping him around, having him be the focal point of this team for the next four years? It's hard for, – for five years potentially. It's hard for me to get in the head of one Michael Jordan. <laughs> so with that in mind, I the, here's are the picks I'm thinking because I'm like – I'm thinking big swings. How can I get Kimbo the appropriate help? My big swing would be Kevin Porter Jr., but I'm not ready to say that yet. My other big swing would be Romeo Langford. Not ready to say that either. But my safe pick would be P.J. Washington. I think we could sure up the four the four spot for this team. Like I think he's in the mold of a Marvin Williams. I think between the two of them, you always have a four spacer at the four. Maybe P.J. and Marvin can combine for some five minutes. I'm not sure. Obviously, Frank Kaminsky is not attractive for me. Cody Zeller's not looking good. Biombo, I don't feel good about any of the centers, but I don't feel about Goga well enough to, to take him here. Bull Bull would have been interesting. I think he would have been a good gamble swing, but he's already been selected in our mock. So while I want to take a, a risk and say Romeo Langford is going to be a great off-ball player, he's going to be good at probing, he can kick out to – to Kemba, I, I think I gotta go safe with PJ Washington and just you know mm. put strength on strength. I think Marvin Williams is the strength of the roster. I think we we solidify that for forty eight minutes, and we we could we we believe in like a, a less than conventional three big rotation of Williams, Washington, and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Oh my! <laughs> so small ball has come to Charlotte, ladies and gentlemen. So the two players you didn't mention, and you mentioned people playing maybe similar positions or, or you know. Like Jackson Hayes, you kind of ignore. You mentioned Goga and you mentioned Bull Bull, but you, but you aren't quite feeling Jackson Hayes. Not not for this team, and, and here's why. Um, if Cody Zeller is a good rim rim rolling big, he's not the athlete that Jackson Hayes is. But mm-hmm. like that already exists on this roster. Bismack Biombo is the exact same thing at a ridiculous price point that is expiring. Mm-hmm. But Zeller does not expire. You'd have to trade him to get rid of him. And I I feel like there's a million available rim rolling digs. You can okay. find one anywhere. And I don't think Jackson Hayes is going to make up for it enough on the defensive end to be worthy of a lottery selection. And that's, yeah. that's how I feel about him all the way down. Like I would say the first team that should consider him would be the Celtics. If it's Robert Williams um, is, it isn't, you don't think he's going to turn into what you need out of him. But like, I, that's the first team. And then after that, I don't know, maybe the Spurs, like there's no, there's no team that I see him as like, a, this is the fit. We'll see. Um, what about uh, Nasir Little? You mentioned him earlier, but didn't mention him here. I don't. I don't want them picking any more UNC players. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's, I mean, that I I, I like fair. Nasir in a lot of spots. Um, I just I don't see the point. Like maybe if you were, were like especially if Kimba's gone. If Kimba's gone, I really don't see the point. Of Nasir Little. I think Nasir Little needs to be a bit player more than he needs to be a a focal point player. And if we're handing the keys over to Malik Monk, I'm not feeling confident. If we're handing the keys over to Willie Bunk, I would like Romeo Langford and Nikhil Alexander-Walker in here to help you know, be a good defensive guard next to him. But Nasir Little, no, I don't want him playing with Malik Monk. I don't think he get. I, I think it's. It, I think it would be if you put him on an NBA team without a lead player, it's going to be the exact same situation that happened in um in UNC, where you have guys who are pretty good taking over, but like not someone who's going to get the most out of an obvious talent. Mm. Interesting. Because so, I don't believe in Kobe White as a facilitator, which is why I think Nasir Little struggled to find um find his role in UNC. He needs the ball. He needs help. He needs help on the offensive end. Sure. Um, so you go go with the safe pick. Interesting. Charlotte taking the safe strength route. on strength. Marvin Williams, PJ Washington, same player. All right. Strength on strength. 
Um, Elkin, thoughts on it? Feel good about it? Yeah. Feel good about it. I don't feel good about it, but I just, I just want all the guys who I want to be available during the Pistons picks. So we can have our own selection. <laughs> and PJ Washington is one of those guys. I so, know. It is, it is what it is, though. Um, we, we, made, we made it to 12, guys. We did it. We did it. Real quick, because, Elkin, I do believe you won't be participating in our next pod. You correct me if I'm wrong. But if, if you're not going to be in on it, who who are some guys that you are looking at for the Pacers to select if you're not going to be part of the second pod where we, we break down more prospects that we find interesting? Um, I'm honestly looking at them. They're probably going to try to get some type of wing player, some wing depth. So so wings are an interesting, interesting thing here, right? Because yeah. obviously – there's a lot of wings here and like, you know, either that or big guards, but to find a guy who is like, you know, wing size, you know, six, eight or so. And, you know, not, you know, an undersized big guy like Rui Hachimura, for example, is a six, eight power forward. Yeah. Kelvin Johnson, six, six, small forward. Like there's, there's, there's like, and it's not a big size gap, but it is a size gap when you're talking about guys who have to guard Brandon Ingrams who are six, 10 at, at a small forward position. So when you're looking at your wings, are you considering that like not your little Romeo Langford, Keldon Johnson, Cameron Johnson. Like, is is there one in particular that you were like, I would like him to end up on the Pacers? Because I assume it has to be one of those guard, uh, small forward hybrid types. Yeah, probably gonna have to be. I mean, with the Pacers, one. Uh, I know this would have happened. The one uh, Romeo Langford will mm-hmm. do good mm-hmm. for. I know uh, Richard's not too high on him, but I see the fit with the Pacers. I just also too. So I'm thinking, all right, so we're probably – obviously, point guard is going to be – they're probably going to address that. Victor Oladipo won't be ready to come back probably until, like, February, something like that. So we're talking about a guy who can play shooting guard, small forward, take a lot of those minutes. The guys who have already – who have not been picked fit nicely in that. I thought about them taking taking a leap at one, Kevin Porter, if he's available, but that's one of those guys that it might be one of those high risk, high reward guys. But those are guys that I'm looking at, kind of like Romeo Langford, Kevin Porter. Yeah, I, I agree in the in the player type. I I do worry for the Pacers that there's not one of those that's actually going to be all that helpful for this team, especially if Victor Oladipo's uh, comeback yeah. delayed. It's hard to see where their how their offense is going to thrive. Are they going to give back mm-hmm. big money to Bojan and what whatever not else? Like, I think they're in a very uh, confounding um, position right now. And also the fact that if, if they draft anyone that's a big man, like, I don't understand. I would I would no. hate to see that because they are already so svelte in those positions. Yeah. I'm I'm happy as a Pistons fan to be picking before the Pacers uh, because it seems as though the things that we want are similar things to the things that they want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, Nikhil Alexander-Walker could be an interesting fit, I think, with the Pacers as well. We haven't mentioned him yet, but uh, I mean, other than other than him, yeah, it's like, you know, the Nasir Littles, it's the Kevin Porter Jr. Some of these guys are going to be taken, you know, because there's a few picks that got to go before then. But, you know, Kevin Porter's, Keldon Johnson, those guys, Cameron Johnson. Um, what I'm ready for is the Tyler Hero pick. That's what I'm ready for. Oh, uh, that would be the Pacers pick, wouldn't it? He can shoot. Why? Well, I hope I hope someone takes him off the board. Oh, he <laughs> won't. He won't be off the board. I don't think so. Not 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 by eighteen. It, it it'll be within. Uh, the... no, I've seen some mocks with him coming off earlier than eighteen. Oh, hey, this is from Richard. Richard wants the pisses. I do not want him to uh, listen. We already have Luke Kennard. We're good. We I already know, have his prototype. 
talk themselves into this is the best guy available. Listen, Ty, listen, Tyler Hero, uh, the, the perfect um, shooter, negative wingspan guy, perfect for um, uh, perfect for you guys over there in Pacer Lane. He's from Wisconsin, though, so I don't know. Yeah. Hey, he fits the type. Oh, man, I'm worried. No reason to be worried. I think we've hit it. It's, we're, we're good. There it is. We've, we've mentioned all the prospects you guys could pick. I call it the I call it the Larry Bird Memorial pick. That's what I call go. it every year. Mm-hmm. You can shoot. All right, but that's shoot. all I got. All right. Well, I think we've hit the end of this one. With it, there will be a second prospects pod coming out very shortly. It, uh, Ethan and I are going to. Spend some time on it. I don't know how long. We spent a long time on this podcast. We but did, but it was a good time. It was a good, good time. Good times had by all. Good times had by all. All right. Peace, guys. All right.